Welcome to the Pitching Nerd Show, where we get nerdy about the art of pitching. I'm your host, Sean Kitzman, aka The Pitching Nerd. Let's get into the show. Hey everybody, this is Sean Kitzman, aka The Pitching Nerd. This is episode five of The Pitching Nerd Show. I'm super excited to have my guest on today. My guest is Kevin Fullman. He is a pitcher in the White Sox organization at the low A level. Kevin, thanks so much, man, for coming on. I really appreciate you taking your time and coming on the chat with me. Oh, Sean, thank you. I always, uh, always never shy down from talking a little baseball. You know, that's it's a lot of fun. Then we're then we're in the right place because uh, God <laughs> exactly. knows that I can talk like crazy about baseball too. So, so um, tell everybody about you know kind of where you're at, what you're doing. You know, kind of start with uh, kind of who you are. Uh, I guess from the beginning, I grew up in Hermantown, Minnesota, right up by Duluth. Um, played baseball ever since, I mean, T-ball all the way up. Uh, really kind of got serious about it. Uh, my junior year, going into my junior summer, um, kind of the, the recruiting hot time, hotbed. Um, wasn't really heavy, heavily recruited. Uh, I played three sports, so I ended up having to kind of adjust my time and a lot of my time uh, to the other sports as well. Uh, but I ended up just going to a baseball camp at NDSU and then got recruited out of there and ended up committing that fall. Then fall of 2013 is when I went to, uh, when I went to NDSU. Nice. Nice. So you were in the hotbed of baseball up there near Duluth, right? I mean, that's, (laughs) you know, I mean, that's a, that's recruiting central out of there. So, um, talk a little bit about what other sports did you play? I played uh, basketball and football as well. And then how long did you play both those sports for? Um, I played all, I mean, football, flag football, I think we started in fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, so I played flag all the way up to my senior year. And then basketball, I started, I mean, four or five, as long as I can remember. been shooting hoops, kind of a big basketball family. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, all, all the way up through my senior year, I played all three of those. And then when did you decide kind of, was it recruiting opportunities for baseball or what was, what was it that made you decide that you were going to kind of go to the next level? Uh, I'd say, yeah, not, not necessarily recruiting opportunities, more so just that was the sport I, I loved the most. I uh-huh. knew I wanted to play. I knew um, if I developed better and, and got a little bit better, I'd be able to play at the D2, D1 level. Um, and, and yeah, and I mean, it was a lot of, a lot of coaching coaching staff saying hey you could you could keep playing um I, i'd really take this seriously and i was always a guy who who really took things seriously but um not till i got to that point was when i really really decided hey let's let's give this a shot i want to play at the next level and then uh w- kind of give me your stats right now what are you in season what do you what's, what's your height and weight uh right now uh, my my weight fluctuates probably from about 215 to 220 225 mm-hmm. um and i'm six two six okay. one and three quarters right. if you're really trying to get uh <laughs> precise there I, sure. I say six two though <laughs> yeah well i mean you know you're you're a you're a pro athlete now so you can lie about yeah. your height right <laughs> true you know they had they had barkley listed at like six five or six six or whatever the hell he was and it was like six three right yeah so and as long as i don't have to lie about my hand size because you can tell that pretty quick with the handshake right so. right yeah so uh what what kind what what is your role right now um, in in the organization? What do you are you a starting pitcher? Are you a reliever? Are you a bullpen guy? 
Uh, so last summer I was kind of kind of everything. Um, mm-hmm. I started out kind of being like a mid relief, kind of a couple innings, and then towards the middle of the summer I turned into like the long relief guy. Mm-hmm. So we had a couple starters that would either uh, struggle early, mm-hmm. get their pitch count up, and and I'd come in for four or five, kind of bridge the gap. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we actually had a starter get injured, and they threw me into the starting rotation. So I probably the end of July all the way to the beginning of or end of a season, um, mm-hmm. I was a starter. So uh, I kind of kind of did all roles. And then what's your pitch selection? I throw four seamer, um, a changeup, and then a curveball, and then a slider. And then and then. Which of those are you working on? What's 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 your kind of a what what are your what are your top tier pitches and then what are your kind of you know bottom tier pitches? Uh, I'd say my I've kind of worked at like eighty eight to ninety two last summer mm-hmm. and my four seamer was good, uh, not necessarily high spin, but I had a lot of good vertical movement on mm-hmm. it. Uh, I'm kind of a higher arm slot guy, so uh, the ball's spinning really well. Um, efficiency's high, so uh, my four seamer generated a lot of swings and misses, so I tried to keep that. Uh, at the top of the zone, and then off that, I'd throw throw my curveball. Okay. Um, so, I'd say it's still curveball is a work in progress. There's some days where it's hit and miss. I mean, some days you got feel, some days you don't. Sure. Uh, so that's always that's always fun to. Well, I wouldn't say fun, but at times when it is good, it's a lot of fun. You you mean um, even at the pro level, you don't have all your stuff down? <laughs> you know, it's surprising. You right? know, you get uh, to you get to the pro level, and it's they they dump some water on you when you walk through the clubhouse and sign your contract, and all of a sudden you're good, right? Yeah, I mean, I wish it was the case, but kind of takes the takes the challenges away if that was uh, if that happened like that. But you know, the struggles are real. Yeah, you know, the funny thing about that is is people just assume like, I mean, it's so funny because when you look at Pitcher, when you look at any professional athlete and and the in the kind of the levels of professional athletes i mean you're a, you're a mutant i mean like when you when you wind up playing pros even at the college level right you've mm-hmm. you've walked away from most people <clears throat> you could go to a town ball game or go to an independent league game and look like a killer right and then because you're 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 just at, you know you're that much better at your craft yeah. than most other people are, mm-hmm. and then you get into you start to like take the step up, and yeah. now all of a sudden it's man it's different right I mean because now it guys is. they're more patient they're they're you know they're or their their bat speed is quicker or they yep. just have an innate ability to make contact, <clears throat> you know so. It's really interesting because people think that they have, you know, and then they look at pro guys and they're like, oh, well, that guy sucks. No, yeah. dumbass. He doesn't suck. No. no. That guy's really good. He just yeah. happens to be facing other guys that are really good. Really good. Yep. Yeah. It's the way it is. And and uh, you alluded to the bat speed and um, guys are more patient and everything. And two, uh, scouting reports get, get so much more in depth. And those guys are, I, I think I started against... Uh, the Lexington legends two or three times, you know, it's mm-hmm. just like you see teams more often, you sure. see guys more often. Um, but it's just the scouting reports out on you and, and then it's compete time from there. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. I, I was, so, I mean, obviously I love baseball, but, um, my, my other, you know, obsession or passion is, is jujitsu. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at like the, the rankings in jujitsu and you compare them to, 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 especially at the the minor league and the professional level, you mm-hmm. know you have guys that are um, when you go from white to blue belt. So there's five belts in jiu-jitsu: white, blue, pur- purple, brown, and black. 
And so you go from white to blue and you get your blue belt. And, and people a lot of times get their blue belt and they get to be really discouraged because they're like, man, I feel like I'm starting all over again. And in truth, yeah. you are. You actually don't mm -hmm. earn your blue belt until you get to purple belt. Yeah. And you don't earn your purple belt until you get to brown belt and then you know vice versa. Exactly. <clears throat> then once you get to black belt, black belt would be like kind of like making it to the show. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean you're a world champ when you're black belt, mm -hmm. right? And so, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, like, and then once you get to black belt, there's different levels of black belt. Yeah. And they're, and they're sneakier because, like, for you right now, from, from where you're at at low A all the way up to, you know, the show level, mm -hmm. you know, there's this kind of clear-cut path. You have to go from low A to A to double A to triple A, you know, I mean, like, there's – but once yep. you get to the show, I mean – it's kind of indeterminate. You know, what, what's yeah. the difference between a guy who just makes it and a guy who's an all-star and then a guy yep. who's, you know, an MVP caliber guy. And, yep. and those are very finite things, right? Exactly. It's, it's crazy how one thing can get you there and one thing can get you out pretty, pretty darn quick. So, yeah. Um, it's a matter of finding that. Yeah. So, um, so tell me about, uh, uh, Let's let's go back to like when you were a kid and getting recruited, uh, or when you when you signed with NDSU and then yeah. The the thing I really want to talk about is like the what you see the level of difference between you know a high school guy versus a guy that goes to play college and then versus a guy who's made it to 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 you know signed a pro contract but's in the minors and then yep. you know um obviously you know then what you feel like for you it would take you to get from where you're at today to you know actually getting called up to the to the big leagues yeah. uh i think high school college is probably well high school to or where from where i was from the recruiting hotbed right right uh, from my high school to college was probably the biggest jump I've made by sure, far. Um, sure. I mean, the hitters and uh, the hitters are the biggest thing, but also the guys playing defense be defense behind you um, yeah. from a pitching aspect and and the catchers too, uh, receiving wise, pitch selection wise. Uh, it's just a it's just a really big jump. Um, but also in terms of that, it's it was a big jump uh, for all the development side stuff we do. Like I I remember in high school or middle school, whatever it was, I run out there, wouldn't do anything. Then I'd pick up a baseball and start hucking it around, make five throws, then go to the bullpen, max it out for 20 throws, and then go to the mound and throw 100 pitches. It's like, sure. and now now in college, it's a long toss program that you have to throw, and then you get to the bullpen, and it's just a big, much bigger process. And Well, before the long toss, you'd do a probably 15, 20-minute workout, and then you do some J-bands. and um, So it, just from the development side and the, and the, um, the process side, I think that's the biggest jump. Mm -hmm. um, along with obviously better caliber players mm -hmm. um then from college to professional i don't want to say it's something of like a um like a work ethic mm -hmm. or because i think that that stuff is really important obviously but honestly i think it's all it is is a it's a talent thing because mm -hmm. i've seen guys that are that are extremely talented and are like in professional that maybe don't work the hardest mm -hmm. but they still go out there once every five days and and absolutely blow it up and have a one ERA, whatever it is, you know, or else I've seen guys that in college that work super hard, but maybe just don't, don't have it. So, um, I think just the biggest jump from college to pro is just, is the talent. Mm -hmm. Um, you're kind of, you kind of go through that funnel process and, and they take the best. So, and then from pro to pro to the higher levels, it's, 
it's just a one one thing. I think like we have a guy who who I pitched with in rookie ball who um, had like a five ERA in rookie ball had a really good really good cutter though and couldn't really find it. Um, but then he ends up being gets up to double A last summer with the, just basically that cutter mm-hmm. and cutter and a good curveball and pitches in the Arizona Fall League. So wow. it's like if guys maybe maybe they don't have it at that time, but if they have one thing that makes them special, they're they're gonna get up to that point where hey maybe maybe then their their stuff evens out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really finding that one thing that you're best at that that your best tool. Um, pitching aspect, hitting aspect, whatever it is, uh, and, and kind of riding that mm-hmm. and trying to trying to get everything else better, but know that, hey, this is what got me here, and this is what's going to keep me going. i gotta, I got to stick to this. Mm-hmm. So if, that, if that, I'd say from high school to college, it was um, talent, but also it was just kind of the biggest adjustment was that prospect, process, that baseball prospect, process, and then from college to pro, just talent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so then, okay, using that assessment, yeah, what was what is the thing that you thought got you from college to the pros then? Uh, so I think biggest thing for me is I I was able to put together back to back two good years. Mm-hmm. Uh, my junior and my redshirt junior, my redshirt senior, I was both pretty solid. Um, I, I showed ability to uh, pitch in different roles. Mm-hmm. I was kind of a kind of a back end closer type guy, and then I went like four or five innings a lot my senior year. Um, I showed that, and then also the ability I had a my changeup was actually pretty good in college. Um, I kind of lost that. I'm trying to get it back, but um, and then also I pitched kind of 89, 92, 93 range, mm-hmm. um, and I actually ended up didn't I didn't get drafted, but I signed uh, signed an independent league contract in the American Association. Sure, and ended up playing there for. A month and a half, two months, and then uh, got signed at the end of July. So, also I think a good good thing that helped me there is that uh, I built a good relationship with the White Sox scout mm. throughout the draft process. Mm-hmm. Um, they ended up not taking me, and he's like, "Kind of hold on here. We don't have a free agent thing for you right now, or contract for you right now, but um, hang on, keep pitching, and hopefully we'll we'll have something for you." And it and it worked out. Man, there's a couple really good things in there that you talked about. This is really this is this is really cool because I I, I love uh, finding kind of like the wrinkles and stories mm-hmm. because um, I mean I I just knew you from Pilla, right? Yeah. And I knew that you know um, some of the stuff that he had talked to, to me about, and then you know I knew that you pitched for the White Sox, so I don't know yeah. anything else in between that. But I think that for the guys, well, typically. Um, hopefully, I mean, hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, I get a guy on that just, you know, just blows through the, every process that he needs to, Yeah. <laughs> but probably typically the guys that I'm going to wind up talking to and most of my audience isn't to pro level guys. Um, yeah. well, no, let me say that again, there, it's not to guys who just, you know, they just kind of like rapidly ascend through the system. It's guys that really have to, 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 to work on the art and craft of pitching. Um, yeah. and so, so you don't so you don't get drafted and and it sounds to me like that there was probably some uh some talk about getting drafted or at least you were you were in the process of it and you were you were you know trying to engage in it so yep talk to me about um a what it felt like um to not get drafted and then that process of deciding that you're going to go to independent ball so talk a little bit about that uh 
that process, I mean, it was it was tough. I mean, it, it was kind of a it was kind of a shot to not get drafted. But also, there wasn't there's was probably one or two three guys that talked to me before the draft. So I kind of knew, hey, like this mm-hmm. is probably going to be like a late 30s, early 40s free agent deal, mm-hmm. if if anything. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I ended up not getting drafted. Was in contact with the White Sox scout, and he he's like, hey, I got a contact uh, with the Sioux Falls Canaries. Um, I'm really good buddies with them. He, he's actually their uh, pitching coach there. Mm-hmm. Why don't you, I'm going to reach out to him about you and then hopefully you guys can get something done. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I ended up talking to uh, the pitching coach and the head coach at Sioux Falls. And I also had an ex-teammate, an NDSU guy who was playing for him then. Gotcha. Um, so he kind of put in a good word for me too and uh, ended up going there and was a starter all summer. So, um yeah, just it was it was a shot, but also at the same time, I know I'm like, hey, like, even if I don't get signed, this is going to be something that I want to do. This mm-hmm. is my only chance to keep playing. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I think I have the talent for it, and um, I had a lot of support from my college coaches. They mm-hmm. they really reached out to guys teams for me too. Um, so it was one of those one of those things where hey, it's it's a it's a setback, but at the same time, like I I want to keep playing no mm-hmm. matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to jump right into uh, town ball. I want to. I want to try to wait a little bit longer, prolong that town ball career. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so I played indie ball, and then it ended up that it, it was a lot of fun. I mean, the places you go, like the Saints, obviously is unbelievable. Winnipeg. Um, there's a lot of good teams in there, and mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of good players. A lot of I played with probably two or three uh, ex big leaguers that that put in serious time in the big league. So, I mean, it's it's it's, it's proven that. Hey, it's a good league. So, I mean, it was a lot of fun. It's it's interesting to see how that independent league has really started to kind of come back again. Mm-hmm. Because uh, have you seen, or you I'm, you probably have, you at least have heard about it, uh, the Battered Bastards of Baseball. The I haven't. No. Oh, man. No. Go on Netflix and check it out. So, okay. Um, there, so uh, there's an actor, Kurt Russell. Yep. Uh, his dad was an actor. Um, but he also loved, he was around, uh, the Yankees when he was a kid. Um, he was a ball boy and a clubhouse Mm -hmm. guy. And, um, he decided somewhere along the way he was going to buy, uh, the Portland, uh, there was a Portland, uh, uh, independent league team. Okay. And so he buys them and he's got, he's not like, you know, he's not, uh, uh, you know, he's not like an A-list Hollywood guy, but he's yeah. he's done enough stuff to where he obviously has the resources. So um, he uh, he buys the Portland team and builds them up so that they start challenging minor league teams. Yeah. And it pissed the minor league clubs off so much that they they all like kind of killed independent league baseball for a while. <laughs> and so watch it; it's it's a really yeah. super cool story. So um, okay. Cool. It's, it's funny because I'm gonna drop like, you know. So uh, there was a pitcher for the Red Sox. His, his Bill Lee was his name. He was nick, his nickname was the Spaceman, because okay. he was he was just a nut job, right? Yeah. Um. He was he was kind of like uh, another old pitcher that you may or may not know. Um. Uh. Mark the Bird Fidrich, the pitch for the Tigers. I the know. Bird, I know the Bird. Yeah. So he was kind of like the Bird a little bit, but but like in the '60s. Um, yeah. And so uh, the Spaceman actually wound up pitching for the team in Portland. Um, wow. So yeah, the the battered bastards of baseball. You got to check it out. I'll it's check really it out. Good. Yeah. But it's really interesting to see how like now that there's you know they're starting to become this this 
this thing again of, of minor or of independent league teams because when I was a yeah. kid, I, I didn't even heard of independent baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but now, I mean, obviously being here, we've been to a couple Saints games and, you know, and then you get financial backing like, you know, Bill Murray and his brother. And, yeah, you know, that that really, you know, does a lot for not only the the team itself, but the league. Yeah, for sure. So. Um, so now let's talk about something else here. Yeah. Um, so there's you've said it twice now, and I think this is a really key piece here. And I think that this is another wrinkle that I. This is why I love doing these things because I yeah because there's there's it's so easy just to look at your success and see it as just a matter of fact of like oh well you know he just must have just he just must be really good right yeah so now we've already kind of come up twice against three times actually you know the first one was I mean you know obviously you you were slated for for Cy Young coming from the the. Uh, the hotbed of baseball up there in you know, yeah. northeastern Minnesota, yeah. so so there's already a hurdle you have to get over, yep. um, you know, and then not really getting much attention as a as a as a high school kid, you gotta you know find a place to go, so you go to NDSU, um, you know, and that wasn't like, you know, it, to me it doesn't sound like you had a ton of offers on the table, um, no. so then from there, you then go to uh, you know, you don't get drafted. You go play independent league ball. But the, you said something twice now that got, it sounds to me like that got you to independent league ball and then quite possibly got you to where you're at today was, you know, you had built relationships not only with other teammates. And this is something that Pilla had, you know, had mentioned to me as well. Yeah. Um, it's why he thought that you and I would get along so well. Um, but you built relationships along the way with not only other teammates um, yeah. and then your college coaches, but uh, a scout, right? Like yeah. that's a that's a really important piece of your story that I think that needs to be unpacked a little bit. So you so talk to me about like building the relationships. I mean, obviously the teammate relationship yeah. is easy because it's you know yep. you, you know that that is what it you is. Have you have to be. Yeah. yeah, you just. I mean, it's don't be an asshole. I mean, it's pretty easy, yeah. right? You know, yeah. like, um, but also like, you know, you could you could easily you know become very disillusioned or self entitled you know, when you don't get drafted and go, well, hell, I'm going to give up on it. And this guy lied to me or whatever it is. Yep. Right? You see it all the time. So talk mm-hmm. to me a little bit about that. The why, what made that relationship with that guy from the White Sox? Like, how did that come about? And what do you feel like um, was something on your end that you felt comfortable, you know, continuing a conversation with? And what do you think from his end it was as well? Uh you know, it's funny. Uh, I think, yeah, like he, like I said, he was kind of the only one who kept talking to me. And uh, he must have, he must have saw something that he really liked in me. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I know talking to him, he, he really liked my changeup when I was in college. I think I pitched at South Dakota State. Um, and we were in, yeah, we were in uh, Sioux Falls, actually. And he, he came and watched and actually pitched pretty, pretty poorly. Mm-hmm. But after talking to him, like, he's like, yeah, I like that changeup. I like your stuff. Like, I think that's, that's like a big league stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, Oh, like, that's awesome. And it was one of those guys where we just kind of kept talking, um, a text here and there. Like if I had a good outing, um, he'd ask how things would feel. He'd kind of go back and forth. And, uh, it just happened that, that they didn't have that. His word didn't go all the way up and sure. they didn't take a shot on me. And, um, but at the same time, he, he was a good enough guy. I, I owe a lot of credit to him because he, he kept talking to me. He kept scouting me. He kept saying, Hey, like, go play. You got the stuff. Like I'm going to, I'm going to shoot for you. If like, if there's ever a chance for a free agent deal. And, um, I think it was just one of those things where 
I didn't burn a bridge mm-hmm. and, and why would I, you know, sure. it's, I don't need to. Um, yeah, I could have been pissed that they didn't take me, but I know, I know it's not his fault. I know it's nobody's fault. You know, right. it's just, it's just one of those things that didn't happen. So I uh, just got to go back to the grind or the, the nose to the grindstone and, and keep playing. So I think that was the biggest thing. I didn't, I didn't burn any bridges. Mm-hmm. We always had good conversations and, and, uh, and I just kept pitching, and and an opportunity lined up, so it just worked out really well. I'd say as as best as it could have, mm-hmm. considering the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that kind of alluded to the relationship a little bit. Yeah, no, it did. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because you, you you know you talked about there was this. It wasn't like you guys were sending each other Christmas gifts. No, but no. you know, but there was a there was a kind of a constant contact between you guys back and forth to where yeah enough of you you were able to feel each other out enough. Yeah. You know, um, and, you know, while, you know, it, you weren't high on everybody's radar, you weren't high enough on his radar that he wanted to take a chance on you. Exactly. And that's that's all it takes. Yeah, um, that's all it takes if, if for one guy, one opportunity, one guy sees sees something one day. It, it's crazy how guys can get there and 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 move up through the system, whatever it is. It, just got to know that no matter where you're playing, what you're doing somebody's watching mm-hmm. and you never know who that guy is. Cause I know uh, it, it's JJ Lally was the, is the white Sox scout and me and him text text probably once or twice a month. That's um, cool. Just checking in, seeing how things are going. And he's, yeah, he's a really good dude. And it, it, it just shows that he, he doesn't care about just getting guys to the big leagues. He mm-hmm. cares about, he cares about the guys and uh, um, yeah, a great dude. And, and also just know that no matter where you're pitching, somebody's always watching. Where where you're playing? Where you're doing anything? Yeah, yeah. So the other interesting thing too is you. This is this is probably if if people are hearing this and and I knew this from traveling with the boys. So from 2008 to 2010, I traveled with the National Competitive Boys Soccer Team. Yeah. Um, and so when I traveled with the boys, because they were top five in the nation every year. Yeah. Um, for five years in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, there was lots of eyes on them, right? I mean, yep. and they were the best team in the Midwest. Yeah. Um, the first year we went to nationals, that we we played four games and scored twenty two goals in four games and let up four. That'll work. Yeah, I mean, it was it was I mean it was incredible. Um, but it's the consistency that people forget about, right? Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about it is that when you were in Sioux Falls and he he was there and you pitched and you kind of had a bad game. Yeah. But he saw enough of your stuff and, and, you know, I mean, and what is a bad game? A bad game could be two missed calls, right? Yeah. A bad game yeah. could be a booted ball at second. I mean, because mm-hmm. that's the thing what people do. It's the, it's the craziest thing with pitching. And, and, and unless you've never, unless you've stood on a mound and you understand, like, there's, to 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 be a good pitcher, there are so many things that have to go in your favor consistently, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like you talked about, you know, the guys behind you on defense and then your catcher, and there's so many variables. There's so yep. many variables that you have to overcome just to get the ball over the damn plate and get it out, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, the the you know, it, technically you didn't have a good game, but he saw enough in your changeup, and he saw enough of your stuff, and he was like, "Hey, you've got something here." And yep. and what was it like when after a bad game, he said, "I think you got big league talent." I mean, that yeah. had to have been crazy, right? Yeah, it was. I mean, it, um, that was it was pretty awesome. It was it was 
it was cool knowing that, hey, maybe I wasn't at my best, but people still think see things in me, especially especially a guy who who it actually matters. Right. You know, like it, uh, I could have a pitching coach come up to me and say, hey, that that'll mean something. Like, hey, you didn't have your best stuff today, but I still thought you looked you looked good out there. Yeah. That means something. But um, also, I mean, coming from a guy who can who can hopefully give you a career out of baseball, I right. mean, it, it's it's a little bit different. Uh, so I think it, it was awesome to hear that. But at the same time, knowing that, hey, hopefully he sees me or another guy sees me on when I have my best stuff. Sure. And that's that's when it matters, too. I mean, it all matters, but. Did did he see you? Was that the first time that you guys had talked then when he was when he saw you in Sioux Falls? Or had you guys been in conversation before that? Yeah, I mean, uh, that was the spring of 2018. And I think like the fall of uh, 2016 is maybe when I'd throw or we had like a pro scout day sure. and he was there and I got a, maybe a letter or a questionnaire from him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think we may, might've talked a little bit the spring of 2017, but that was also my junior summer. And I wasn't, I don't think I wasn't one or good enough to be like a junior sign type sure. guy for some money. Um, so I think the senior sign is when he, he kind of more so talked to me pretty, pretty heavily. Oh, so, so let's talk about something else that I just like kind of started to get, yeah, you know, an understanding of so okay, um, junior year, uh, you get probably what an email from from a team, questionnaires, question- emails, yep, yep. So talk to me a little bit about the process from getting interest to you know like actually talk to me about your junior in, in your senior year or maybe even was your sophomore year i don't know yeah where you're starting to get some 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 interest so so mm-hmm. what for those people who don't know because there's probably a lot yeah. of people out there that don't know you get a questionnaire what does that mean uh it just means that hey we saw you we thought you have something here mm-hmm. we want to get we want to know more about you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so the questionnaire is basically i mean piece of paper you send it back email you send it back with all your info and then from there, um, it would turn into like if they really like what they see, uh, phone calls, texts, mm-hmm. um, along those lines. And then um, if that, if they need to go further than that, if they're really on your radar, um, some in-home visits. Um, sure. They talk to you after a game. Uh, there's a lot of there's kind of a process to it. And uh, then I mean, if it's really if it's really high, like a cross checker or one of their bo- their bosses would come and watch you. Gotcha. Um, so it's. It's a process, and if you get to that point where their boss, their boss, or their boss's boss is watching you, um, you know that hey, you you got something here. It's like dating, dude. Yeah, it I is. Mean, it really is. You know, you go into a you're somewhere and you see a girl, you're like, hey man, she's kind of cute, you know. Yeah. And if you see her a couple times and you get a smile and a head nod or something like that, yeah. you know, that's hilarious. As you were talking about, it, I was yeah. like, wow, this sounds like dating, <laughs> right? It's a process. Yeah, for sure, for sure. For sure. So mm-hmm. so. Yeah, because that's another one of those things that I mean, unless you know a guy, you know, unless unless you know someone who's going through the process or you have the ability to talk to someone, it's yeah. you know, there's a and again, I'm sure guys that are you know high on people's radar, that that may change fairly quickly. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the process might go pretty quick. Yeah, um, but for sure. you know, for probably the average guy, because that's the other thing that I think people need to realize too is like. The average guy. When I when I say average guy, I mean average guy in the, you know in 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 the in the, the A ball system or, or in the farm yeah. system, right? That, yep. Which is not an average guy, by the way. Let's you know but, let's be fair, yeah, I, right? Yep. So the average guy that's in the system. I mean, there's how many guys like that had the same or a very similar route 
to you in the farm system, right? I mean, there's a there's a lot. Yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of free agent guys, a lot of late rounders, and mm-hmm. yeah, they had the same guys, same opportunities as me, and yeah, yeah, and and part of it is grinding it out and mm-hmm. and and being you know becoming really good at your craft and yep, you know, and then being patient and a little bit of luck, you know. I mean, and a little bit of luck, I think it, it comes into it, you know. But the funny thing about it is, though, is like if you get to where you're at. It's no longer luck, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's no longer luck. I mean, it's it's funny because you're it, whether you know it or not, you're you're in business for yourself, right? Yeah. So you're you're your own commodity. You're your own entity. And I've been in business for twenty years, and um, it's really funny because there will be things that happen for me that I do because I just do certain things like this, right? Yeah. Um, that you know people on the outside would look and go oh man he's lucky right yeah but they don't see all the preparation and the hard work and 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 the forethought and all of those things that go in front of it like dude when you get called up that's no longer luck i mean yeah the, it's the, the the luck thing is that you didn't run into an injury somewhere that derails you i mean because that's the thing yeah that, i mean of all the things that you have to worry about now you know that's the thing right i mean yeah and so you know, I think that that's the uh, the thing. You know, it, g- luck is getting drafted straight out of high school, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, and then making it from, mm-hmm. and then like just plowing your way through, you know, yeah, the, the, system, the farm yeah. system, right? That's luck. Um, yeah. Because that's just you're, it, you know, I mean, you're a mutant, but that's a freak of nature, right? Yeah. I mean, that that's the thing that people, you know, when they look at like trout, right? I mean, like. Th- He's, yeah. he's a he's a once in a generation yeah well, actually probably not even once in a generation like once of all time you once know ever yeah mm-hmm. once ever i mean like you know and, and i'm a yankee fan i mean like you know that but people yeah. compare him to mickey mantle and i think it's hilarious now man the yankee fans that are watching this they're gonna hate me for saying this right but like trout is so far heads and tails above mick because He's not, he, he didn't have an injury. He doesn't have, I mean, seemingly that we know about. He doesn't have any, you know, personal issues that are haunting him, right? He doesn't. So, I mean, that in it, that is luck. I mean, like, yep. to, the fact that you can get to that place and you don't have, like, massive, like, not even skeletons, but whole hordes of zombies in the closet. Because oftentimes that's what happens when guys get yep. to that, especially when they're thrust into the, you know, into the, into the spot like that. Like, I mean... Look at uh, what's the difference between Trout and Hamilton? I mean, yeah, true. Hamilton Hamilton is a was a potentially a once in a generation or once in you know I mean just amazing mm-hmm. talent and unfortunately for some, him had some demons yeah yeah he had he had you know a whole horde of zombies he had the zombie apocalypse in the closet for you know yeah. unfortunately so I mean that's luck yeah you know but like what you're doing. That's not luck. I mean, the only thing that you got to do is just not run into an injury. You know, I mean, yeah. like, that's the big thing. And when they give you an opportunity, you got to make the most of it. You can't can't squander anything because if you, for a guy like me, if you squander once, yeah. you're probably not going to get another. Yeah. So, so um, let's talk about that a little bit. So, yeah, uh, let's talk about pressure. What mm-hmm. do you do? I mean, you know, um, and I got to tell you, man, like I love talking to everybody about this stuff. Like I love talking to to. to um, to people about, you know, these types of things. But out of each episode, there's a couple little things that I'm, I, I get really excited about. And, yeah. um, 
you know, the, the relationship that you built with the, the talking about the relationship, you know, in the process of going from high school ball to, to getting drafted or to signing with the White Sox. And then yeah. the relationship, that's a little wrinkle. But this next thing here, because just given the little bit of time that we've talked, you know, both here and then and then offline yeah. as well, um, I think you're a really good person to talk about this because because I, I think there's something in here that you that you have the ability to, to talk about. So talk about pressure. Like, how do you handle that? Talk about what are you, what are some of the things that you do to like when you're in those big situations where you got to perform? Because that's another thing too, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, a lot of guys don't have that, right? I mean, there's yeah. lots of guys that don't have that. So talk about that a little bit. Uh, I'd say for the for the biggest thing, the kind of the way I'm wired is I'm a guy that uh, I'm like a very very in the moment type guy. Like sure. I. I'm ter- it's it's a big downfall, but it also is is helps me in an aspect like this. I um, like if I look to the future in terms of however many different things are, if how my career is going to end, um, where I'm going to go after baseball, like the, those are things that I I rarely think about. Sure. Um, and personally, when I'm on the mound, and I know there's a lot of pressure in terms of I could be thinking these things where, hey, if I don't get this out here, this could inflate my era mm-hmm. this could um then have a meeting with coaches then maybe release you know like there's there's a lot of things that for a guy like in my situation that you that that can be in your mind but you have to do your best to to keep them out of there if you want to perform well so um in terms of the pressure i think it was just staying in the moment for me mm-hmm. um knowing there's times when hey my body gets moving too fast my my mind starts racing being able to, um, first of all, recognize those times. Uh, and um, that's one thing that the coach Oaks at NDSU is, is incredible at. Um, talking to him uh, from my freshman year, my first two years at NDSU, I was, I was pretty garbage. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm talking 10 innings a year, 70 RA, like sure. terrible. And uh, just, a, just a, I wouldn't say a flip of a mindset, but knowing that, hey, um, you got to be in the moment here. You got to you got to recognize when things are spiraling, you got to take a step or step off, take it, take a moment to really collect yourself. And then you can, you can move back in and that that's for on the mound, but that could be in the box. That could be for anything Mm -hmm. outside of baseball too. Um, And one thing actually that I've worked on this off season was uh, I actually had a, like a breathing, breathing coach, a breathing, uh, breathing protocols that I can set in place for times when I'm on the mound. And, and he's actually in the cities. Um, it's the Mind Strong. This isn't a pitch. This is just me being yeah. a good guy. Um, yeah. The Mind Strong, Mind Strong project okay. in uh, in Minneapolis and Harvey Martin, and he does a lot of breathing protocols and a lot of stuff. Like that. I could really dive deep, but dude, um, dude, dude, those dude. Are some... yeah, no, no, don't, don't stop, man. So yeah, two things here. I want to let you go yeah. on. Second, I want you to put me in contact with him because I want to talk to this guy. Yeah, I want to sure. have him on the podcast. I want to. I want, yeah. This is the, see. These are the things I love, dude. Because yeah. these are the wrinkles, and this is the this yeah. is that relationship stuff that you were talking about early yeah. on, though, right? So, um, okay, let's because like this is one of my things, right? I mean, yeah. So, it's so funny because I never pitched, right? Yeah. Um, and I, you know, kind of accidentally fell into this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but twenty-eight years of martial arts, uh, which, by the way, is a a long ass time to practice something. Yeah. Right? And, and by the way, I have no, like, I've never had like grand illusions of like being a world champ at any of it. Right. Yeah. It's just been, I mean, I, I just I, enjoy it. Yeah. Well, 
it's a weird thing because I enjoy I enjoy the process of getting my ass kicked on a regular basis. Like I went and trained with a couple of my buddies yesterday and man, oh man, we started from position of disadvantage. So that would be like, you know, starting with a guy on third uh, or a guy on, well, yesterday it was a guy on third for me because the position that we were in, I just yeah. sucked at, right? So, um, you know, a guy on third, uh, you know, and you're down two, you're down, you know, uh, two one, right? In the count, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe three one. You're not even, it's not even like you're, you're in a position of disadvantage and then having to struggle out of that thing and then you have a good hitter at the plate, right? I mean, that's... Uh, yep, everything's stacked against you. Yeah, and so, so see, and that's why I understand, like, the... I, I, I've never been on the mound, so I don't understand that, right? But it's an individual thing, right? It's all, all yep. based on how you handle the pressure um, and how you handle the, the, the internal, because that's the thing, right? Yeah. That mind gets going fast. It does. And, and, it does. And man, all of a sudden, that little guy in the back of you—that's—that's that's all that negative self-talk. So breathing mm-hmm. can help out a ton. So talk yeah. about that because that's a really fascinating topic. Um. So I guess I kind of go back to Oaks. Uh, Oaks kind of is a breathing guy. Mm-hmm. Like he'd he'd have visual visualization. Visualization. Yep. Gotcha. Vi- yep. That yep. word. Uh, so he'd have he'd have protocols in place for us. Uh, when we we'd always do um, breath work before mm-hmm. before practice, um, so that's kind of when I got introduced to it. Um, so the big thing that I'd always do is uh, talking with Oaks is I'd find a focal point that every field has. Yep. So um, I'd step off or say a two o count. I go down two o to a guy in a big situation. I step off, kind of relax, rub down the ball, and then I always look to the left field foul pole. Yep. Um, and take a deep breath. And then kind of refocus, say a say a um, positive affirmation statement, sure. and then I'd go and get back on the mound, and, and that worked really well. I still did the the focal point all last summer, um, but then talking Ooh. with with Harvey this fall and this winter, it kind of turned into well, every time I take a deep breath, I'd be yeah shoulders up yeah and and that's just giving me in that kind of the the fear state yeah the the um, yep. the fight Fire state flight. yeah yeah yep. yeah and. So kind of talking with Harvey, it's it's not a it's not a shoulder breath. Right. It's more of like a deep calming breath, yep. and um, and that that really helped me. Even in turn, I know I haven't been on the mound um, in a game to be able to put these into place, but that helped me in terms of there. Um, he also did uh, say after a big inning, um, I'm kind of really amped up. Say I just sure. punched out, yeah. punched out a bases loaded punched out a guy with two outs in a big situation Yeah, and punched and out I'm the three of, hitter right i mean like yep. you got the guy you got the guy that you needed to get right yep yeah and i come kind of pumped up off the field well hey now i gotta get ready for my next inning of work yeah i gotta i gotta quickly down regulate yeah I gotta quickly get back to my even keel and then get to a point where hey okay now i can kind of pick it back up and get ready for getting out of the mound because there's a lot of times too say i go back in the dugout it's a quick one two three inning my hitter's you know they they see some good pitches, but they line out to guys, whatever it is, and I'm I'm already getting back on the mound, but I'm still huffing and puffing. Well, um, being able to knowing knowing what I know now, I can uh, I'm able to get back in the dugout, down regulate, and then get back out there, even if it is a quick one, two, three inning. Dude, uh, the the people that are listening to this cannot cannot see me just like like yeah. I, like moving back and forth. I'm so freaking excited about this time this conversation, yeah. dude. Because yep. there is so um the the kid that I worked with when I was traveling with the boys uh, 
he was a uh, a centered back, and mm-hmm. he was a uh, he had a really strong he had a really strong mental. I mean, he was, mm-hmm. uh, and I used to do conditioning for him, and I used to try and break that bastard, man. Yeah, right. Like I would do stuff to him on purpose just to piss him off, right? Um, and so, um, but it was funny because we were. It, it there was a like there was an E60 when when ESPN used to do E60s. There yep. was an E60 on kind of you know handling pressure, and Evan Longoria, I I don't know I don't know why he did this by the way because if I was a pitcher, like and I saw him talk about this, yeah, I put one in his ear every time I saw yeah. him do it right. So what I what I wanted to do and so here's again like, when you get punched in the face a lot, and you and you start looking for people, you, you start looking for tells, right? Yeah. And at the high level in any sport, that's something that you're doing. Yep. It's really interesting though, how like actual physical harm uh, heightens that and it makes you go through it really quickly. And um, so anyways, Longoria would, he would step off the, he would step out of the box and he would do the same thing that you would do. He would look up at the left field foul pole, but that yep. is so much more of a demonstrative example of yeah. like reset right and i and for i for a hitter yeah yeah for a hitter i mean like dude if i was a pitcher i mean like i had a stuck one in his ear every time that he yeah. did it like i or i would have thrown hit at because i know that i've got to him i know that i've got him rattled mm-hmm. a little bit right and so um the other interesting thing that you talked about because the the that i didn't think about until you were talking about it was like the variability of like you have to be able to get back to center not only on the mound but what happens if you get out of a big inning, momentum is starting, starting to shift towards you, you go into the dugout, and you're there for literally 12 pitches because the other pitcher yeah. comes out and he pitches a hell of an inning, and now you got to get back in, but you're a little bit too ramped up and you lose your stuff because you're going too fast. Exactly. Right? Yeah, and yeah, that, that's one thing that I, um, I guess I, I've, never, I've never thought about until talking with Harvey and being like, Hey, like this, this happens more than you think. Sure. And whether you think it's happening or not, mm-hmm. you're still amped up or you're still way higher than you need to be going back out on the mound. Um, so that's, that's the time that you can put those uh, protocols in place to really down regulate yourself and then get back out there. You know what else I loved is that he had, so this is how you know that you're dealing with a really good guy too, right? Yeah. The protocol's simple. Mm-hmm. It cannot be, it cannot be really complicated. No, it's not. Because here's what will happen. And so here's – I used to do this visualization and things like that. I mean, you know, I was I was looking at this stuff when I was a kid. Um, and I non-competitively powerlifted. Um, yeah. You know, 5'10", 148 pounds. Uh, that's not – you know, I mean, most guys that were in a 148-pound class were about, you know, four foot two. Yeah. yeah. They had arms about as long as my pinky, you know. So, yeah. Um, I got to maxing my system, redlining my system really quickly. Um, and so when I would go, when I, and when you get to lifting heavy, you're, you're lying to yourself all the time, right? I mean, like yep. it's a process of lies. And then I used to skateboard too, right? So like that's a process of lies all the time. Like I'm going to make this trick. You just have to believe that yep. you're going to make it. And yeah. then if you fall, you got to get back on the horse again and go do it again, right? And yeah, exactly. the, the weird thing about skateboarding and, and actually even powerlifting is that, again, there was no chance of me becoming a world champ. And by the way, when you become a world champ as a powerlifter – nobody gives two shits and they don't no. pay you anything. Right. And the chances of yeah. me, yeah. And the chances of me becoming a professional skateboarder was pretty slim to none. 
<clears throat> so there was no financial incentive on the other end of that. That was just me. I don't know. I, I have a really weird screw loose, right? Yeah. And so, um, but I think part of it for me is that pushing myself to limits that I, I'm not comfortable with on a routine basis. And by the way, I get to limits that I'm not comfortable with and I break often, right? I mean, like, I'm not going to lie and tell you that, you know, that I have this superhuman thing. Because yeah. if I did, I we wouldn't be talking. I'd be doing something else, right? So... Um, but the, the fact that he's got, you know, he has, he's got a really good handle on, uh, not making the process complicated because the more that you make it complicated, the more kind of this, uh, for lack of better term, addictive side can come to it because what I would do when I was powerlifting, um, I would create these, a, I used anger, which is a awful tool to use by the way. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's what every, you know, 18 year old, red-blooded testosterone laden kid guy does right so i used anger first um and then uh i would you know amp myself up a bunch um and then you know go to go to deadlift because that was my favorite lift but in that everybody's favorite lift yeah oh dude i loved it i had i had a hundred i had a 450 pound pole at 165 pounds Right. Can't argue with that. Yeah. I mean, pretty good. Yeah. Not too bad for, again, you know, a a 5'10 guy. And I'm not a stocky 5'10 guy either. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, but, you know, I mean, you you lie to yourself all the time. And so I developed, I literally developed OCD. Yeah. Like if I would go in and my shins didn't touch the bar at the exact same time, I had to come out. Yeah. And so one day my (laughs) lifting partner just looked at me one day and he goes, would you just pull the goddamn weight? Right. Would you stop all this? Yeah. And, but what had happened is that uh, because I, I had hit failure a couple times in my trick and it was complicated, it wasn't kind of grounded in like getting back to center and getting back to a, a good place emotionally. It wasn't healthy. I, I would continue to have to like add all these little layers onto it. And you see guys, I mean, like the classic guy is Nomar, right? Like no, when yeah. Nomar Garcia Pare, like he, every time he would have to step out of the box and touch his gloves like six times, they developed that OCD thing, right? Yeah. And so, um, so that's the other cool thing that I hear you talking about is this is really simple process, but the process is actually built to downregulate you to bring you back to center, which is where you're at your best, by the way. Exactly. Even though you mm-hmm. feel like you're really good when you're high, you're you're out of control there. You've got to learn how to ride that thing. That cannot be the way that you go all the time because you're not going to have that all the time. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. Yeah, there's going to be times where you don't have it and you got to pitch with that without it. So. Yeah knowing that, Hey, I can be at, I can be at even keel. I can be at center and I'm going to be as good as I possibly can be. That's, that's something to, that's pretty hard to get, get to. Yeah. And, and to do it consistently. Cause that's the yep. trick, you know, I mean like that's the trick. Can you do it yep. consistently? And can you be, can you be confident with it? Because so much of your success develop depends on your confidence. You can have the best stuff in the world but have no confidence exactly. and, and not be good at what you're doing. And not believe in yourself. Yeah, you're you're not going to be good. You're yeah. not going to be good, that's for sure. And I'm sure that you've seen guys like this along the way. I mean, like, where yeah. you've got, like, dude, if I had half the talent that that guy did, you know, but he exactly. doesn't have your, he doesn't have that that kind of centeredness or that even keel, you mm-hmm. know, to him to, to really, um, you know, believe in himself, you know. There's, so. Yeah, there's, uh, there's more guys than I can count that are like that. But also on the other end, there's guys that that maybe don't have the talent, but pitch pitch their nuts off, and they're they end up being the Friday guy for three years at you know wherever it is. Like yeah. it's it's just just the way it is. It's crazy. It's crazy how it works. Yeah, and unfortunately now, I mean, you don't get to see a lot of those guys 
well, you, those guys at, at now at the next level are are stuck in the bullpen, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't you don't see a lot of guys coming out anymore. You don't you, you don't see Jamie Moyer or you know, no. uh, 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 God, what the hell is Al uh, Al Leiter? You don't see guys Leiter, like yeah. that anymore. You know, I mean, like you know, uh, CC was like that at the end of his career. You know, I mean, like yep. you know, but you don't see guys that are are just kind of like. You, you'll see guys like that at the end of the end of their careers where they've they've got enough they're vets and they're that four yep. or five spot but you know um i mean i think a good i think a good example of this even though you know he had a a, a, a below average year for him a couple of years ago was jay hap right yeah like, that's a great example of a guy who doesn't have he's got great stuff i mean like you know, yeah the, i don't know that you can ask for a Com- more consistent guy than that yeah comparatively to some of the big league guys that right. he doesn't have the best stuff yeah. right but but he's 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 an even keel guy you you rarely mm. see him get you know rattled you yep. know um where you get you know you look at a guy like you know like pineda you know yeah that he like man oh man if you know if, if the wind's coming out of the wrong direction that guy seems to get rattled you know, I mean, it's an interesting thing, though, because and yeah. And so how did you like how did you find this guy, this breathing guy? Like what what happened there? Uh, so I was I worked out um, at Minnesota Mash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I, I just I, I was working out there and and Harvey's actually pretty intertwined with Mash. Sure. Um, he used to be like their head pitching guy. OK. Um, actually, he still he still is. He works there, but he's he's kind of branched off and tried to do a really uh do the mind strong project uh-huh. which he's he's building it and it's it's awesome uh-huh. um but that's kind of how i got latched onto him is just he he was doing uh he would do a group with me and a couple other the the pro guys that worked out there sure um we did we'd do breath work uh, a couple times a week with him and then we'd also do like a uh, uh like a fire and ice uh training session yeah, with him yeah, as yeah. well so he has a he has a sauna mobile sauna um like ice tubs and we like i think middle of january we jumped in cut a hole in minnetonka and jumped in the jumped in the ice there and sat and um so it's just different ways to train the body and stuff but he that's how i got latched on to him with uh through mash okay all right yeah. very cool well i mean what yeah the, see that's the cool thing i love guys that are just like man that dude found something and and you know i mean again it looks like he's lucky right yeah but, i mean he's not there's a yeah there's a level of determination and work ethic and drive and belief in himself to be able to do that yeah i mean if you if you have him on it's a it's a pretty cool story to hear oh i'm uh, where he started at yeah yeah Yeah. for sure like i want to have him on i want to because dude that guy and we're gonna go meta dude like yeah because again i i get it i mean you know Mm -hmm. i mean i i i've just i've experienced it so many times where like one or two purposeful breaths can take you out of holy shit land and get you back into, uh, you know, kind of like, oh, now I can see what's going on, right? Yep. The the other place that I get it a lot of is doing kettlebell sport. So yeah, in kettlebell sport, you're doing you know high volume repetitions for five to ten minutes, mm-hmm. you know, and you know if you well if you're doing a ten minute set, uh, you know, not all nine minutes and fifty nine seconds of that is bliss right yeah because because oh. you're not doing you know like i'm not i'm not snatching a you know an eight an 8k bell or a 16 pound bell for you know 10 minutes it's oh. you know a 20k bell you know yeah for for you know 10 minutes or you know and then of course there's rankings and numbers and but you have to be able to find that that 
that grind. You have to be able to find yep. that that next thing. Like, how can I stay in this? You For know. Sure. And then at mm-hmm. the other end, you also have to know when. Oh man, I just don't have it. Right. Yeah, and, like, and you gotta. I, and there's. I, I posted oh, that on my Instagram page the other day. You know, like I. Yeah. I I was snatching the other day. I had an eight minute set. I've done. I've done 20 reps a minute for 10 minutes with a 16K, yeah. right? And I, I started out with 20, and I was like, yeah, dude, there's no way. Because I haven't done that volume like that in a while. So yeah. So what were you going to say? Because I'm, I'm, I'm interested in it. Um, yeah, there, there's other types of training, breath protocol training that um, that would kind of up your system up yep. to yep. that you're, yeah, you're able, really able to get going um, yeah. that, that, that we've done before. And it's like, it's honestly – like you just take a take a shot of C4 and just put it right down your throat. Sure. Like that's that's honestly how it is. Sure. So, um, yeah, it's it's a lot of good stuff. No, that's super cool, dude. I I man, that's a again. There's there's parts of conversations that I I'm I'm not. I, I, I was telling uh, one of the guys from uh, yesterday. I'm not interested in like the podcast for the fame. Like no, you know I don't care if seven people listen to this, right? Um, I hope more than seven people listen to it, but like, I don't care if seven people listen to it because I, the, the stories that come out of it and, and just the conversations that come out of it, that, that, that you'll see across the board, um, you know, athletes at every level across the board, you know, have been doing breathing for years, you know, centuries, yeah. you know? Um, but it's really interesting, like how, cause there's no way that that thing, it's amazing how far we've come to, right? There's no way that that thing would have, he would have even been able to do that in 1970 or 1960 mm. or 1950 yep. or probably not even in 99, right? Yeah. You know, like he would have had to have found like, you know, this really fringe group of guys to work with, you know? Yep. So it's, yeah, even, even, even still like in today, he still gets some like, what, what are you oh, doing? You're crazy. For sure. Yeah. And yeah. it's, um, and and he'll get that for the rest of his career, like for sure. he won't. Yeah. yeah, he won't get mass buy-in, you know. I mean, unless unless he does happen to get lucky per se, right? Yep. Like he gets like let's say you go on and you guys carry on that relationship and you you become part of a championship team and you know really kind of max your ability, MVP yeah. or Cy Young or whatever it is, and then he's just become that a guy for you, and then all of a sudden you know you you start talking about him a little bit and everybody's like well oh well shit it worked for kevin it's got to work for me it's got to be the best thing in the world right you know? yeah he he uh he works out with a lot or a lot of nhl guys too sure. i know like uh james van van reebsdyke is one of his really good buddies sure. uh he got a guy who uh played in the nfl brian sure. peters so he's he's got a bunch of guys that that really believe and buy into his stuff and it's it's proven to them to work yeah so, well yeah. i mean it's it's also as a species breathing has proven to work for us exactly because if you don't breathe you die i mean like it's a pretty uh, there's there's not a lot of things that are that black and white but if you don't breathe Mm -hmm. you die and then you know then there's all the narrative around breathing well yeah so so what um so now you're uh you you made it to low a last year yeah yep um what was what was that like and then let's just kind of talk a little bit about um you know what? What are what do you feel like are kind of the next things for you to to to, to get to the place you want to go? Uh, yeah. So low A was I was uh, went into last spring training and was hoping to make the low A team right away. Um, mm-hmm. I actually was in extended spring training for probably about a month and a half, two months, and then ended up 
a spot opened up. So in low A, I probably pitched and I had like a five ERA. I mean, ERA isn't everything, yeah. um, but didn't didn't have the year I wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so coming into this offseason, I knew I needed to make a couple changes uh, in terms of where I worked out and um, what kind of stuff I was, how much time I was setting aside to baseball. Sure. So I went and worked out at MASH and threw and had a uh, workout program and everything. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was awesome. It was incredible. Um, definitely, definitely did it, did it the right way the second time around. Mm-hmm. And then coming into spring training, I was hoping to make the the high A team in Winston-Salem. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, had a couple bullpens, was down there for a week. And then, I mean, everything kind of happened. So yeah. got sent back and uh, now I'm just trying to stay ready and don't know exactly when our season's going to happen. Yeah, if it, if it is, yeah. But um, just got to stay ready, and and they got us uh, on a modus sleeve throwing, so they're checking our pro- throwing protocol sure. or throwing uh, program and how much we're doing it. So uh, just trying to stay ready that way, and hopefully hopefully something happens here. Very cool, very cool. So um, yeah. where was Loe? Where's where's the Loe system at? It was in Kannapolis, North Carolina, which is oh. probably about yeah. 40, 40 minutes uh, away from outside of Charlotte. Yeah, 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 yeah. My my yeah. best friend lives down in in uh, – in, the Charlotte area. Well, I'm sorry, okay. North Carolina. He he yeah. he lived in he lived around Charlotte. Now he lives down in uh, down near Raleigh. Okay, so, nice. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, they're both. Those are both really nice cities. Yeah, yeah. In Kannapolis, uh, they just got a new new stadium for sure. the for the now Kannapolis uh, Cannonballers. So, um, yeah. I mean, it, it was awesome. I had a I had a great time. Um, had a really really good host mom. Nice. Um, and had a couple – I mean, the team was awesome, a lot of good teammates. So it, it was a great summer. Super cool. So yeah. what do you feel like uh, – where do you What do you feel like the next steps are for you? Like what do you What do you feel like is is, is the thing that you need to do to, to go from where you're at to, to you know, getting called up? Yeah. Uh, the biggest thing for me is um, I had – I think I had probably about 70 innings last year mm-hmm. and maybe – like I was always a guy who prided myself on my command, but last year I had like 30 walks in seven innings. So oh, yeah. the walks, walk numbers were up, but also uh, my strikeout numbers were good. I had more than one in an inning, mm-hmm. so that was good. Um, but just the li- biggest thing was limit the walks. Mm-hmm. Uh, command, command's got to be better, uh, not just with my fastball, but with all my pitches. Mm-hmm. Um, got to be able to throw them for strikes. I mean, that's the thing you always hear going up, hey, throw mm-hmm. strikes. <laughs> Well, it doesn't change. So, um, got to, got to do that. And I mean, everybody wants to throw harder too. So, sure. I mean, I'm going to hop on that bandwagon too, cause I got to throw harder. Yeah, so well, I mean, I, it's, it's what has to happen. I mean, you, you even know. if you're throwing one Oh five, you want to throw harder than one Oh five. So for sure. Um, but yeah, command and, uh, command all four pitches, um, being able to throw them where I want mm-hmm. in in every count. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, just, really know like i like i talked about before is is use what i do good to my advantage yeah. use my use my fastball um, up in the zone to get swings in and lazy flyouts, and then mm-hmm. um pair that good with, with a good curveball um that's that's developed pretty good so i'd say those are those are the biggest things and and add in the slider and change up uh when i need to have you um do you feel like at the net, at the pro level the analytics has has helped you out do the, do you guys do a lot of stuff with analytics and and looking at stuff and pitch selection and stuff like that yeah yeah analytics uh has helped me um 
throwing on the, I think the biggest thing that's helped me is throwing on the rap soto uh-huh. um, or track man and, uh-huh. and getting those numbers back. Um, granted, I didn't know what to do with them when I saw them, but thankfully we have pitching coaches and sure. uh, coordinators and, and analytics. We have analytics guys um, that know exactly what every number means. And he can tell you, hey, try this on a, a certain pitch. Hey, that pitch is great. Keep throwing that like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it, it wasn't until I till I pitched through on a rap soda that I knew, um, yeah, maybe I, I'd get swings and misses on my fastball, but it's good to know, like, hey, this is why. You know, sure. like your your spin efficiency is great. Like your the angle at which you're throwing the ball is, is really good. Um, and then, yeah, your vertical movement. Like, it, yeah, it, you can see with the eye. And I'm not taking away from that at all, yeah. but also having the numbers to support it is 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 really awesome because you can tell pitch to pitch difference. Yeah. Hey, this one was good. This one was bad. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I think that, um, I think that if anybody at this point in time, and in, I mean, I know there's a lot of old guys still around, but uh, you know, they're they're starting mm-hmm. to go by the wayside as far as like not really believing in analytics. I mean. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, you could. Yes, uh, you know, Nolan Ryan or, you know, Roger Clemens or, you know, mm-hmm. JV or whoever it is. I mean, yeah, the eyeball can see that. But how many guys yeah. got missed because they – well, I mean, and again, I'll, I I talked about this before in a, on a previous episode, but I'll talk about it again. Like, you know, um, as a Yankee fan, you know, we – it appears to me we did Sonny Gray a disservice, right? Yeah. Like, you know um, – and uh, man, I'm talking about two things now. The Yankee, I'm gonna uh, people will probably pick up my house because yeah. I'm in Mi- Minneapolis, right? Yeah. Um, all seven of us. Um, but you know, I mean, like he, 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 they just didn't have the support for him. They didn't. They and, didn't. They he wanted stuff that they didn't. They couldn't help him with. And yeah, well, and they didn't. They didn't understand. You know. Yeah. And so you know, I mean, like that's a that's a big thing. I mean, there's, it, it's really funny because like. You know, and and obviously there's a history of of guys going to New York and and having struggles there, um, mm-hmm. for a long time, right? I mean, you know, long time. So you know, that's that's a that's an interesting thing, you know. I mean, like, yeah. And I think that that I think the biggest thing that I would look at with with analytics, if I was a pitcher, and as I try to understand it better myself as a guy who works with pitchers, is like, I think it helps you to be your own best advocate. And I think that's something that really needs to happen. Yep. You know, you, you no longer as a pitching coach going to be able to look at you and go, yeah, man, you know, like you feel really good and confident with one of your pitches. And he's like, no, I think you should go away from that. I think you should use this. And, yep. you know, that could be the thing that makes or breaks a career. Cause, yeah, because exactly. along with mechanics, I mean, I think there's, there's two things that that um, I think that are really important. You know, with mechanics, I, th- I think from a from a mechanical standpoint, um, if you're a pitching coach and you don't really look into mechanics and biomechanics and 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 toss out the baseball tall and fall and you know all those yeah. those analogies that are that yeah they work for a while, but it's 2020. You know, we have we have a lot of things that are in front of us um, that can make or break something and you know it's not like a you know i mean obviously a hitting coach there 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 are importances on a hitting coach but rarely do you see a guy end his career hitting Mm -hmm. uh the every dugout is littered from from 
from college shit from high school now from high school all the way up to the pros is littered with guys who have an injury that derails their career yeah you know as pitchers and Mm -hmm. i think it's incumbent upon pitching people who work with with pitchers to really study what the body does Um, exactly because you know that injury there you're one throw away from blowing up your ucl if your mechanics are shitty been there yeah and then the other on the other side of that um now is you know starting to use the analytics so not only are the guy's mechanics good you know that's an order of importance but you're really helping that guy learn the art of pitching mm-hmm. and and i think that's something that guys in your generation have such an advantage over well you know the analytics kind of hurt some guys you know yep. um but you know for sure i mean nobody's going to the ballpark anymore to watch a guy throw an 85 mile per hour fastball. Like, no, no. I mean like, man, you go to a stadium and you watch a guy throw 97. Everybody's excited about that guy. Right. For sure. Cause why it's yeah. entertainment for crying out loud. You know, like I'm not going to the local, you know, high school theater unless my kids in it to go watch a play, you know, like yeah. I'm not paying a hundred dollars for a ticket. I'd go no. to Broadway and pay a hundred dollars for a ticket. Yeah. Right, I'm not going to the local co- coffee shop no. and, and spending a hundred dollars on a on the guy playing his acoustic guitar. Right, I'm going to throw five bucks in there, you know, for a tip. So yeah. you know, the ability to perform and, and have the analytics down, I think, is really important. Yeah, it's it's funny you say the the guy throwing 97 because I think we were in uh, Del Marva last year and they had the big board, the velo board up there, and a guy, their closer, came in and he was a hundred and not 101, and the fans were just Jesus. on their feet cheering. As soon as the 100 hit up there, as soon as the 101, they're just going nuts. It, 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 as much as you say, hey, like it's not all about velocity, um, that sort of stuff. Like, no, it, if yeah. you want to be seen, if you want to get picked up, it, it is. And if you want, if you want to move quick, it's about that. So, yeah, and I and I think the the yeah the velocities the, the velocities. I mean, it's a thing, right? I mean, like, yeah, it's it's a it's a selling point. I mean, you have yep. to, again, you have to understand that you are, you know, yes, you are technically owned by the Chicago White Sox, mm-hmm. but you are really owned by Kevin Fullman Industries, right? I mean, like at the end of the day, they don't care if it's your dad's neighbor that helps you get your mechanics down or if it's the yep. guy at their level. They don't care. Right. As long as you do. As long mm-hmm. as you do. It doesn't matter. So you have to make the choices. You know, yeah. I mean, like you have to make the choices to get that done. You know, it can't yep. be it can't be, you know, relying on other people. And and it is it's a business. It's a mm-hmm. it's a crazy thing. Yeah. It's you got to be your own own advocate, like you said, own advocate. And you got to figure out what works best for you and what's and then honestly, screw everything else. Yeah. I mean, they can they can have suggestions for you, but. What's gonna put up the numbers? What's gonna What's gonna make you feel your best? That's what's That's what you got to do. Yeah, I mean that's a that's such a a critical component, and also like on the other end of that, being coachable. It's such a fine line, yeah, right? I mean, it like, is you, very fine line. You can't have like you can't just be junk with a ton of mm. potential and have awful mechanics and no control, and you know again have like let's say let's say you're you're throwing ninety eight, but you know every fourth pitch hits the mitt. And, yeah. you know, everything else is a danger to everybody else, including the people in the outfield, because you don't know mm-hmm. where the ball is going to go. Right. I mean, you know, like you can't be that guy and not be coachable, no. you know. Mm-hmm. So but yeah, you also can't you can't rely on 
you know, coaches to, to make your thing because there are only one or two or three or four guys that's responsible for, you know, and also they have a job and they're trying to keep it, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, well, dude, I could talk to you forever, man. Like, you know, I, I want to make sure that I respect your time and, and I'm a, I'm a long talker. So, you know, like I could easily go two, two, three hours with (laughs) stuff, you know? Um, but I, I really, really super appreciate, uh, you know, you taking the time and, and sharing your story with us. Cause I think that, uh, hopefully everybody that's listening, uh, you know, uh, is able to, to, to take some stuff away from what you said. I think you had some, just some great points today. So where can people follow you? Do you, I mean, I, I guess here's the question that I should ask. Yeah. Like, like, you know, as far as social media goes, like, are you, are you a social media guy? Are you kind of on the DL with that stuff or what's the story? Yeah, I'm on, I'm on Instagram, but, um, I don't post much. I don't sure. do much on there, um, sure. on Twitter as well and Facebook, but I, I'd say I'm on there, but I'm not, uh, not very public. Don't, sure. don't throw much out there. Uh, sure. so yeah, I mean, follow me if, if you want. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to be, you can find better follows. I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> like, I think it's going to be pretty cool to watch your, watch your career and, and, yeah. and watch you get to the show and, and see what happens because, you know, I mean, obviously I know you a little bit before this and you were nice enough to be, you know, my fifth guest on the show. So I, I'm going to say these really nice things about everybody until about episode 50, I think. Right? <laughs> yep. And then you can, then you can uh, really yeah, have your own. Opinions. Yeah. Then I can, yeah. Then I can, then I can, you know, like, you know, highbrow everything, buddy. It'd be real tip, you know, picky with, yeah. but I think, you know, like, um, you know, when you, when you make it to the next level, I think it's for the people who follow you, it's going to be a special thing. Cause you're a pretty good dude. And, and it's pretty cool to watch guys like you go through, go through the process of, of doing something that, you know, a very few people have the the courage to do, and very few people get to do. So it's mm-hmm. pretty cool, man. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, uh, thanks for having me on. It was uh, it was a good convo. I know we could go forever, but yeah, yeah we'll do it again. We'll Thank do you. it again. I think I think Sounds what we good. should do is, uh, you know, um, maybe this winter we'll do it again because then you can kind yeah. of talk about you know po- what happened during this season and kind of where you're going and you know from there. Let's do it. All right. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate you. Thanks so much. Yep, take it easy. Yep, bye. Thanks for listening to the Pitching Nerd Show. To grow the Pitching Nerd crew, do me a favor. Rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps me to get to better guests and more opportunities for the podcast. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you guys soon.